Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's Modern Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Kat Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing? doing I'm doing okay. well. Good. How are you doing? Okay. Well, it's Valentine's Day, so let's get into... Oh, no. This... Promote, extend, trade. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We're three young guys living that bachelor life, so... Who are we going to promote, extend, or trade on this Valentine's Day? First up, we have someone that's worked their way up from the bottom, and they are in a uh, high rank of importance if power dynamics is your thing. First, we have Captain Morgan. <laughs> okay. okay. Next. Oh, next I up, see where this is going. <laughs> we're going to go get a little exotic and go south of the border with some Jose Cuervo. Finally, we're going to get a little kinky and go with none other than the Grey Goose itself. Mm. You know, I'm going to – there are definitely times on this podcast when I feel unqualified, you know, because I'm like, man, there are a lot of other Mets prod- podcasters who talk about baseball. And then, and then I realized, no, I, I, can, I can have an opinion here. I'm okay. Now you're making me talk about alcohol. And I know there are very specific other Met podcasters who are very into alcohol, <laughs> and I know nothing. Damn that Lucas. said, trade the rum, because rum sucks. Yeah, that I can agree with. I hate Yeah, rum. I agree with that, too. 
Right, so they do have Captain the best Morgan. cover shells. I, I, I had a bad time one time with that, so. Go on. <laughs> no, that, that, that's it. <laughs> I, that's the story. <laughs> so uh, me and Rum don't mix. Yeah, and I feel like everyone has one of those drinks. Like, just, at one time I drank way too much X and Y happened and now I can't drink X anymore. Yeah, that's, that's it for me. Well, one of my friends is, is Rose. Another one is, can't drink tequila anymore. A friend in undergrad, like, would smell vodka and get nauseous. You know, it's good times. Good times. <laughs> Extend the vodka because it's the best base for, like, any mixed drink slash cocktail slash martini. And then tequila's good too, so promote that. Yeah, I, I agree completely there. I was actually reading something that scientifically the best way to get drunk is to mix vodka and seltzer. Sure, oh. I could buy that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or but a diet soda. Vodka is easy, right? Like, vodka doesn't taste like anything. There's no smokiness to bite through. There's no annoying, like, maybe you don't like the spices and whatever rum you're drinking. Or yeah. the herbs and whatever gin you're drinking. Oh, vodka's here for you because it's basically just diluted rubbing alcohol. Enjoy. Yep. My go-to drink is uh, vodka and Gatorade, much, much, much to the consternation of other Mets podcasters <laughs> out there. Gatorade, yeah, even I'm not that bad. That's that's an idea. You got to go with the always sunny approach and do <laughs> grain alcohol in Gatorade. Right, juice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say Sunny Delight. No, no. <laughs> uh no, whenever they well, unfortunately they're doing this in the context of the Phillies like winning the World Series, I think, but they get drunk on grain alcohol mixed with blue Gatorade. <laughs> right juice. Whatever, whatever works. That's my policy. Not as bad as fight milk. So you can fight like a crow. <laughs> Somehow I've never watched that show, but I have all these clips stored away in my head. I've given it a bunch of chances, and I just can't, like, I, I'll watch it, and it's funny, I'll enjoy it, but I just can't get myself to, like, yeah. sit down and, like, watch it. Same thing with The Office until recently. I started watching The Office finally, like, 20 years too late, I guess. I think I think there's just a lot of cringe, like, any cringy humor. He, I've lost humor? the ability to talk. Um, Are you sure you're not drinking? I, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit, you caught me. I'm drinking on the job again. Um. No, any cringe humor I really struggle to, uh, like get through. I just get embarrassed. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> second, you get that secondhand embarrassment. Like, uh, can't do this. Well, speaking of embarrassing, oh boy, let's talk about some stuff that Major League Baseball has done this week. It's pretty embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Um, the realignment of the minor leagues. It is, I guess, officially complete. And all 120 teams, they offered professional development licenses. They all agreed. So no surprises there. We didn't think that anybody would not agree. And there's going to be four levels, low A, high A, double A, triple A. Again, no surprises there. But one notable thing that the official MLB press release is missing and I don't know if this is going to be a permanent thing or if this is just kind of a temporary thing, but they're missing names. Pacific Coast League, International League, Eastern League, Florida State League, South Atlantic League, all that is gone. Huh. I and didn't even notice that. Yep. It's just replaced with geographic designators. There's AAA East, AA Northeast, High A East, 
low A southeast, stuff like that. It's not a guarantee that it's going to stay like this. Hopefully, it's just, you know, temporary, and they need to figure out, okay, this is going to be the new Pacific Coast League. Okay, this is going to be the new South Atlantic League, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, you know, Rob Manfred does not have any problem whatsoever of throwing away decades and, and centuries of baseball history for just no discernible reason. So you never know. And just using these geographic league names has led to some some issues that people pointed out because you could play in the high A East League in the West Division. <laughs> so oh, you're, no. You're high A East West. You know, things like that, and no good. So I wouldn't be surprised if they get names, but the cynic in me is worried that they're going to get, like, advertised names, like the NHL did with their divisions this year. Yeah. And we're going to get, like, the Little Caesars AAA. uh, Guaranteed (laughs) rate, single A, East. Exactly. And so, like, that's, that's the cynic in me, thinking, like, just thinking about that right now and how money is just running stuff, so... Four seasons landscaping, <laughs> double A North. <laughs> All right, that one I'll accept. But, <laughs> but um, because the NHL has all these names that no one is even calling the divisions by, they're just like, here's the the the, the East Division anyway. Like no fans are actually calling them that, but mm-hmm. the NHL did it for money purposes. Yeah, it really like saps the character. I mean. I'm not gonna lie. I oftentimes mess up the league names when I'm trying to decide a level because my brain is dumb. But there's just a level. It makes the whole thing feel extra corporate if you take out the character mm-hmm. inherent in having these these long-standing names. And really, like you're already making it feel so corporate by cutting out all these other teams. What? Why are you exacerbating that issue? You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And some of them, like the Pacific Coast League, that is like heavy duty history. Like the Pacific Coast League was almost a third league back in like the the 40s and 50s. You know, Joe DiMaggio is very well known for his days playing with the the Seals in the Pacific Coast League. That's just basically being like, oh yeah, no, no more Triple A West. Like, come on. Yeah, there's there's actual real history, which is. <laughs> more so than I ever realized until I started looking into this stuff. And the fact that it is just for no discernible reason. If they do say, it's a, you know, the Pacific Coast League sponsored by Chevy, which would suck, but at least you're retaining yeah. that history to a degree. You know, if MLB is so strapped for cash that they need to do stuff like that, at least don't just trash everything completely. Mm-hmm. Hopefully this is just, hopefully these are just placeholders and there'll be another official press release or official announcement or whatever a couple weeks down the line restoring all the leagues to their proper terminology hooray for baseball (laughs) yeah celebrating its history by destroying its history well speaking of destroying things I pretty much give up and let's just destroy our tw- top 25 lists for 2021. Oh, oh no. This week, well really last week, the Mets were involved in a three-team trade that saw Kansas City get Anthony Benatendi and a couple million dollars to cover his 2021 salary. 
the Boston Red Sox, they got Franchi Cordero and four minor league players. And the Mets got Khalil Lee, an outfield prospect from Kansas City, who I say with some pretty good certainty would be on our top 25 list. Um, little background about Lee. He was drafted in the third round of the 2016 draft at a Flint High School in Oakton, Virginia. And he was a two-way player. Um, Kansas City thought that his future looked better as a position player, so they drafted him as an outfielder. And they bought him out of his commitment to Liberty University. And he finished out the rest of that season with the AZL Royals, their Arizona um, complex league team. And he, he hit pretty decently. And then they put him on a pretty aggressive de- developmental track. Um, he went straight to full season ball in 2017, despite being fresh out of high school. And it was solid for the low A Lexington Legends that year. He was phenomenal the next year in 71 games with High A Wilmington. Uh, struggled a bit in his cup of coffee at the end of that year with Double A Northwest Arkansas. And then he was solid the next year when he went back there uh, at Double A again. Given that he hasn't played for real since 2019, he's going to be in a new new organization. He's still kind of on the younger side. Never really dominated. Maybe they start him out in... Binghamton this year, but I don't really think that's too likely. Yeah, I, I, I think that you know he he already has 158 games at Double A under his belt, um, so odds are I think he's going to be uh, ticketed for Syracuse for 2021. Think, yeah, that probably makes sense. I think that's the smart thing to do. Is yeah, uh, especially since like the the reports that we've gotten out of not that we specifically but that are out there about his alternate site are very positive he tweaked his swing uh much louder contact much more tuned for power now quieted down his hands i'm not the right person to talk about this because my eyes don't work fast enough to see this but that's what i noticed um and it's looked good it apparently looked really good in camp, not that the Royals opened up too much, but he's also had a couple of cool clips from, uh, I think he's playing in the Dominican right now. In Puerto Rico. He was Puerto, Rico, Puerto Rico, excuse me. Um, yeah, a couple impressive clips out there. So there's, there's something here. You know, it's a... Uh, I feel, assuming we don't count Andres Jimenez as a prospect, which he is, he would have been under the old rules, but isn't under last year, whatever. Uh, uh, Lee is pretty comfortably a better prospect than either the ones they gave up for Francisco Lindor. <laughs> it's also uh, the best yeah. player that isn't Andrew Benatendi in that trade. Um, so I as don't much really, as I love Franchi Cordero, yeah, you're right. I don't really, yeah, I I, I, I love name. him too, but like I I think at this point, like we kind of know what he is. Yeah, and I don't really know how the Mets did this. <laughs> <laughs> or like why? Like I just don't know why the Red Sox didn't just get Khalil Lee for Ben Attendee. Look, yeah. like when I was reading the whole thing, I was like, oh, the Mets probably gave up like a real player, and yeah. then it was someone they got three weeks ago or yeah. a month ago. It was very strange. Like I'm not complaining, but it was In a exchange, very interesting development all around. In exchange, the Mets sent Josh Winkowski to Boston. So for Everyone that had their pre-ordered Winkowski jerseys, I'm sorry, but hopefully there weren't many of you out there. Um, they're also going to be sending a player to be named later over to the Red Sox, but, you know, that's, that is what it is, and odds are that the player that they're going to be giving up 
is not going to be as good as Lil uh, Lil Lee yeah. is going to be. Yeah, agreed. I mean, they um, they basically turned. I mean, we talked about Winkowski a little bit. He was pretty comfortably the third piece in that Steven match trade, mm-hmm. along with Sheen. Sheen. Apparently, none of us can talk today. <laughs> We're, we've all been drinking. Um, Sean Rifoli and, and uh, uh, Yancy Diaz, who are or much closer, well, not even much closer, but Winkowski wasn't quite as uh, uh, major league ready. Um, so the Mets basically took a replaceable, injury-prone, $5 million back-end starter, dumped the money, and turned it into two optionable arms, and he's not a top 100 prospect, but he's like a top 150 prospect in baseball. He was top 100 in 2019. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he's still there. He wasn't. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but top 150, definitely top 200, I think, pretty comfortably top 150 yeah. as well. There's definitely potential for him to sneak back into the top 100 list. Yeah, absolutely. If Especially a, if, if, those, if that solid... swing change is real, mm-hmm. he's the top 100 prospect. Yeah, basically, yeah. basically with Lee... The hit tool was always kind of below average, and that was impacting his power. He has plus raw power, but he wasn't really able to get it in-game power because he was just basically swinging a lot, uh, striking out a lot, very long swing, stiff swing, making poor contact, that kind of thing. So if the hit tool is improved, he's making more contact, he's making better contact, and with better contact, he can you know, get that power to play up in games. He's not like, he, he was never though, um, what's a good, I can't even think of a, of a good comparison though. He was never really a guy that, you know, just struck out a ton and, and, you know, just didn't get on base. He did walk a lot. Yeah. He has a really good eye. He's, mm-hmm. he's kind of like Brandon Nimmo, like Nim, Nim, Nimmo-Mimian, Jesus. you know, that people actually, Criticize the fact that he, his eye is so good that he gets too passive sometimes, which is which is a criticism <laughs> of Nimmo. Um, That's so and, weird. And also Dom Smith to a, a lesser degree. But we don't want you to swing at balls. Like what? Yeah, like, I mean, there, there. I, I get, I get it, but you know, it, it's developing a, a good eye is, you know, that it's a good base to have. And then you know, you, you know, you want to teach a guy to swing more or whatever. Okay, you could do that. Once he's has has a good eye, so yeah. Um, I, on the I, other, I, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna, I was gonna switch to something else about his defense. So I ahead. mean, you know, I, that's where I was gonna go. Where oh. that he's yeah. So you should go first, and then we can talk about where he belongs on this list. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, you know, regardless of how the bat works out, he is, uh, I would say, an above average defender. Um. Regardless where he plays, he has plus plus speed. So, you know, he can stick and center right now. He's going to have to improve his reads and his roots like any other player that's young and just kind of rely less on brute speed, I guess, <laughs> raw speed and more on experience if he wants to stay in center going forward. And if he's not able to do that and he loses a step, you know, he'll probably have to go into right field, but his arm is really good. And he could hang in right field. So either you get, you know, a, a solid 
center fielder or an above average right fielder defensively. Either way, that's, you know, not a bad outcome with the glove. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's, he seems like the classic, I'm going to be a center fielder for three or four years and then I'm going to get bigger in my late twenties and move to, and be a plus corner guy, which yeah. is certainly better than anything, uh, the Mets had right now, aside from <laughs> Tim Tebow, of course, you know, not a zeroth yeah. prospect on the list. We'll get into Tim Tebow a little bit later, but. Uh huh. It's, it's like one, I, I think my favorite thing about this, um, acquisition is he's instantly there, like, they now have some depth at the upper minors in the outfield. If Nimmo gets hurt or Conforto gets hurt or anyone gets hurt, like if they have to call him up in July or August, it won't be the end of the world. Mm-hmm. So before it was literally like Tim T. Alex Smith. Yeah, like Malik Smith was there. And, and, and my that. homeboy. How are you going to do my homeboy Janushi Frogress like Oh, this? that's true. <laughs> but, um, um, it's, it, it was very much a, an organizational need that, I don't really know how they would have solved it outside of signing like more Albert Almora types. And now this is a chance to have a guy like that who is going to be under contract under team control forever, mm-hmm. like for like eight years or whatever it is. Yeah. So it's just smart roster management. Even if the hit tool never super gets there and he's your fourth outfielder for three years, you have your fourth outfielder for three years right. who can play good defense and is a plus plus runner. Right. Better than trading your Jordan Humphreys for that exactly. kind of player. You you have him at the minimum now, and you get to also work with him while he's a minor leaguer still because you don't need him now. So it's it's just one of those things where it's smart roster management on the margins that the old Mets wouldn't have done because, like, Jeff Wilpon isn't jumping into a three-team trade to get Khalil Lee, you know? So, <laughs> like, he just – he probably doesn't even know three-team trades are legal per the CBA. And the Mets have now done this twice, and they've gotten two interesting players out of it both times. So – I always wonder how these come along too. Like, does Sandy just like hop into the group text and is like, wait, like, <laughs> who, who, who's getting the Mets involved here? But that's a different question. But. It's is, that, like a, uh, is it like a league slack where all the GMs are? That's yeah. what I want to imagine. How, to how big is the gap between how we communicate and how GMs actually communicate? That's, that's the behind the curtain look I want to, I want to have. Are they all like in a Discord call, yelling, like hopping into VCs and yelling at each other constantly? I kind of hope so. The Will Ponds definitely had landlines and facts. Uh huh. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. I but mean, dot, dot matrix facts. Right, right, right. You constantly heard the old uh, dial-up sounds. In the, that's <laughs> Jeff Wilpon couldn't complete a trade call because Fred's on the computer. And uh, get off the phone, Dad, get off. Call. Um. Now, but to Thomas's point, like, this is something that I've noticed the last couple of years because I write grading pieces on every uh, uh, transaction the Mets make or close to every transaction the Mets make in the offseason. And and even I, – I, I'm going to say like the last couple of years, they've done an okay job building a major league team that has depth on the 25-man roster. The problem is their they prospect system – the prospect pipeline hasn't been good enough to – generate the depth beyond that, right? And that's not something you can really sign in free agency. You can't pick up guys who are optionable. You can't pick up up and down arms. You can't have a, a useful outfield prospect that could be an up and a down guy. You can't pick up starting pitchers that could be up and down guys. Um, it takes some creativity uh, if, or it takes having a better developmental system. Um, and I think already we've seen that that 
the, the results of the, that flaw in the last couple of years, right? The team would be good on paper for it's like it's a good 25 man roster and then three people get hurt, which is normal. And mm-hmm. the 40 man roster is just a goddamn shit show. Um, and, and now the Mets have found a way to be creative and, and add a bunch of optionable arms and now a, a, an optionable outfielder as well. And honestly, all of them still have some fun upside, right? Like we've, like Lee's a legitimate prospect and, and the other guys they've added in this vein, like Yamamoto and, uh, Reed Foley and Luchi, Lucchese, whatever, Diaz, like all, all of these guys have some, are both optionable, viable back end players, back end 25 man types with various degrees of upside long term. And uh, it's, it's just a level of competence, uh, awareness of how good rosters are built, right? It seems like in, past years Jeff Wilpon's just looking at that 25 man excel sheet and not realizing that the Dodgers roster goes like 43 deep and that's why they're really good yeah so where would you rank Lee on the top 25 2021 list if you are ranking him at all I don't want to be too presumptuous here I'm sorry I'd probably have him in my top 10 your um, top 10 for uh, Thomas you have Ronnie Mauricio, Francisco Alvarez, Matthew Allen, Brett Beatty, Pico Armstrong, Josh Wolf, RIP, JT Ginn, Mark Vientos, Jalen Palmer, and Chervian Newton. He probably just replaces uh, Wolf. Like, not maybe not one for one. I might move guys around. But, like, I feel like the middle to back end of the top 25 is still too question marky to put him below them. But... Mm-hmm. I don't really think he deserves to be in the top five or six because those guys are like the actual real prospects in the system. So I think in that like seven to 10 range is a good sweet spot for him now because mm. I wouldn't be surprised if the hit tool is real, is real. Like we were saying, like the hit, the, the swing change, I mean, that yeah. he ends up in one of our better prospects because it's kind of thin as we talk about a lot. So I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. be surprised. Like, I think seven to 10 is a good, I think pipeline had him seven. And I think I actually kind of agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's a good spot for him considering everything else in the system. Lucas, you have Alan Mauricio, Alvarez, Beatty, Picar Armstrong, Vientos, Wolf, Palmer, Zapucky, and Kilame. Hmm. Uh, so, I mean, obvious diatribe about ordinal rankings being dumb. Of yes, course. it should be. It should be tears. Yeah. Uh, in my mind, there's a clear tier A in this system with Alan Mauricio and, and Alvarez. And then Huji said Beatty fourth, and then Pete Crow Armstrong. I guess that's. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, this maybe this is a, a hot take here, and I'm coming in a, a little too high on Lee, but I think I'd honestly have him. Fifth, maybe even fourth, because to me he's right at the top of that second tier. Um, I know I'm not going to make like in my mind. There's no way he's as good as any of the top three, um, and I think I'm a little bit lower on Pete Kerr Armstrong than than the consensus. Maybe uh, <laughs> everyone voted him fifth except for me. Yeah, well, I mean that's a little surprising actually. Um, but to me, uh, Lee is not that far off from what you hope Pete turns into, right? Like in terms of, of what the role he fills. Um, 
and I don't think like Lee has more raw power and less hit tool. P- PCA is probably a bit the opposite. Both solid center field defenders, at least for the time being. Um, but Lee's on the like Lee's 200 AAA at bats of consolidation away from the majors and potentially being an impact player in the majors if that swing change is real and if it works against high minors arms outside of the alternate side and then in the majors. And there's a lot of ifs there, but there's a whole of a lot more ifs in getting PCA to the majors. Mm-hmm. Um, and as for Beatty, I, I, that's that's not a comparison I've thought about a whole lot, actually. I was more thinking about the PCA one because I've lost track of what my top 25 is. Um, They're just very different players at that point. Uh, But then again, we haven't seen Beatty really perform against uh, at the level you'd like for a guy who's so bat dependent, which isn't to say he's disappointed. It's just nothing, nothing has like jumped out at you and he has little to no defensive value. So I might even put Lee forth. Um, and maybe that's a bit of an overreaction, but I, I think he's quite good and I uh and very close to the majors. So That's fair. I put I, I personally put him on my list sixth. So between four, six and you know, seven to ten, that's about six or seven if you put all of us together, but I think that's that's a fair place to put him. Like I mean, we were saying same tier. Yes, yeah, like it's, we're it's saying a, with tiers, exactly. Yeah, it's the same tier, it's just where we view him. On said tier, so mm-hmm. we all have him in the same tier, basically with Vientos, Beatty, uh, PCA, Palmer. Yeah, in that you know that grouping. So that's something else that I'll also note, and I quite like this. Uh, the depth the Mets have built. Lee has tons and tons of speed. Oh yes, mm-hmm. something the the Mets have really been lacking in recent years. And and to be clear, like Major League Baseball's trend is correct that that steals aren't an efficient way to generate offense. Um, but I do think there's perhaps been an overcorrection, and it's definitely something you can use off the bench or in certain roles. And this offseason, the Mets have added a lot of guys who do that. I mean, VR is possibly the best non-Billy Hamilton base stealer in baseball. They have Mal- they added Malik Smith. They still have uh, Fargus and and now Lee, who I, I don't I certainly don't think they're adding him for his speed. I think there's we've we've talked about the long term potential, but it's nice to have another potential guy who can uh, uh, come up and 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 show that speed and 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 contribute in that manner, which is I mean just another weapon to have around. We've seen how much Trey Turner fucks with every pitcher on the Mets yeah. staff. It seems he does. So, in other and words, also speed is like it's not only just stealing bases. Speed is like being yeah. able to go first to third or score on a hit that you might not be able to score if your guy's a little slower. And like that's also very hard to quantify, like how, what going first to third does to your like win probability or whatever. But I still think it's something that's important in like the actual like when a game is happening. It's one of those mm-hmm. things you notice, and it's one of those things that it's like ah that helps that inning. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. So. I think having guys like that is just it's, also it's more fun. Like really fast yeah, base, speed is baseball fun. players is fun. Like Juan Pierre was fun, even though he was like a singles hitter. <laughs> like, like obviously he's not as fast as Juan Pierre because a few people in the world are. But speed is fun, and in order to and just getting more of it is an interesting way to 
build your depth where the Mets were just kind of like, this dude was 32 and used to hit. <laughs> so basically, to paraphrase, gotta go fast. Just like Sonic. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right. So trading for Kalili makes the Mets minor league system look better on paper. Uh, helps the Mets in a practical way, too, because it gives them an outfielder, like we were saying, who should be ready for a major league cup of coffee or maybe even a little bit more within a year or two. Um. But, you know, Lee is still far from a sure thing. We do need those swing changes. We need to see them and, and hope that they are real and that, like Lucas was saying, that he can handle um, upper minors hit, hit pitching and obviously major league pitching. Um, the, the thing with the Mets, though, is we really got to hope that that hit tool did increase and improve. Uh, you know, and that he'll put more balls in play and uh, unlock that power because there really isn't too much going on in the minors uh, when it comes to outfielders. We surprisingly, though, did have six outfielders on our 2021 top prospect lists. The most experienced of that bunch is Stanley Consuegra, who played 51 whole games. That's with the bad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Not even in 2019. In 2018. Jeez. Yeah. That's really bad. <laughs> the highest ranked guy, P. Crow Armstrong, was drafted last year, doesn't have a single professional game. Uh, the, the next guy after him, Isaiah Green, he's not even in the system anymore. And, and he didn't even have any games under his belt either. Then there was Freddie Valdez, Alexander Ramirez, Adrian Hernandez, and the aforementioned Consuegra. And they were all basically in the same exact boat. They're all I don't want to say the same player because upsides are different. Those first two are projected to be better than the second two, but they're all very young and they really have no meaningful playing time under the belt since it's the, all come either in the Dominican or, you know, at the, the GCL complex. Yeah, like for the purposes of major league roster building, they're the same player. Yeah, don't pretty help. much. <laughs> so, uh, the Mets do have a little versatility on the major league team, as we were saying. They made a couple of shrewd signings with Albert Almora and Jonathan Villar and, and Jose Martinez. And in the event that they do need to call up another outfielder, there are, you know, Lucas's guy, Janushi Fargus and Malik Smith and, and Drew Ferguson. Those will be the, the, the guys that... I forgot about Drew Ferguson. Right, yeah. They'll get the first call. Mm-hmm. They'll definitely get the first call. Um... You know, and, and nobody's expecting those guys to suddenly become 
MVPs, but that list doesn't really inspire too, too much confidence. And those are the type of players that usually, you know, if they do get off to a hot start, they will be given the option like, okay, do you want to be released so you can sign with another team that you may have more opportunities with? So there isn't even, we don't even necessarily have a guarantee that they will be around for the entire season. And given the lack of depth, outfield depth in the upper minors, um, if those guys either don't get off to good starts and just kind of struggle in AAA and, and demonstrate that they will not be able to be meaningful contributors in any way, or if they do get off the hot, hot starts and, you know, want to pursue opportunities elsewhere where they may get actual, you know, a better shot at actual major league playing time, that leaves... uh the Mets in a pickle. If you go back a couple of years, let's start with 2016, because the 2016 draft four years ago, that should be paying dividends at this point. The Mets picked three outfielders over the course of those 40 rounds. Gene Cohn, who was drafted in the 10th round. Ian Strom was drafted in the 22nd round. And Jeremy Wolf was drafted in the 31st round. None of them were high upside guys to begin with. And Gene Cohn and Ian Strom were both released in 2018 and Wolf in 2017. So that entire draft looking at, at outfield was completely irrelevant, complete miss. Nothing. Literally got nothing from that. Go Shocking. over. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Move on now to 2017, and they took four outfielders. Quinn Brody was taken in the third round. Matt Winokur was taken in the fifth round, Jack Schneider was in the tenth round, and Rafael Gladu was in the sixteenth round. Jeez, Brody and Winokur, hit after hit. Yeah. Uh, Brody and Winokur, Stanford teammates, not really the highest upside guys to begin with. Schneider retired literally in his second game as a professional after a freak foul ball incident. And then Rafael Gladu has a pretty interesting story. He retired in 2018. Then he came out of retirement in 2019 to play with the Mets because they needed someone to play. And then they didn't give him much playing time, and he <laughs> retired for a second time. So It's gone full Michael Jordan with this. Yeah. Um, so again, now, 2016, they got nothing. 2017, they got nothing. Uh, Stop 20... drafting Stanford swing outfielders. I mean, that goes without saying. I say as someone who was high on Brody when he was drafted because I saw him beat the shit out of Cal a couple times when I was still in school, so. Move on to 2018 now. And do we want to, do we want to talk about after this draft in 2018? I'm not really sure if I'm ready or not. Oh. Um, no, they didn't have a first round pick, if you remember. Um, that's true. Yeah. All right. Well, then their second pick was Ross because Adolf. they went over the luxury. <laughs> right, right, right. I remember this reality. Yeah, remember? For Cano, it's, they signed him. It's yeah. a little. De- it's a little depressing to look at this like awesome young core they have and say, man, the one thing they could really use is a great young center fielder. Pulls up previous trades. Check's most recent prospect list. Whoops. Shit. <laughs> well, that never happened. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ross Adolph, they drafted David like Miranda um, and a uh, prep outfielder who I actually was pretty – I was a big fan of Denzel Clark, but he didn't sign. He went to uh, California State, Northridge. 
but Ross Adolph, they traded him. Um, I was a fan of Adolph. I was kind of mad. Yeah. David Miranda, he was released, and if only they had a fresh-round pick. <laughs> that that was the uh, uh, Davis trade, right? Adolph yes. and, so, like, and, Adolph up, and like, Santana. It ended up working out because Dave, J.D. Davis is a he's a big leaguer, like yeah. an actual one, and even if he's a bench player, I think that's what his preferred role should be. That's still a cheap bench player, so I'm fine with it after the fact, but in the moment I was kind of mad. Yeah. Um, so that's three drafts in a row where the Mets did not get a single viable outfielder. 2019, you know, nobody really is going to be ready from that. Yeah. You know, there's no high-level college guys, so... And obviously 2020, um, nobody at the Mets selected. So if the Mets need an outfielder, obviously they have the Amoras and, and the guys on the roster right now. And there is a little bit of versatility. You know, guys like J.D. Davis can, quote-unquote, play in the outfield and Jeff McNeil. So, I mean, there is some some... There are matchups that the Mets can finagle with, but if they needed an outfielder and, you know, they needed to go to the minor leagues, pluck someone from triple A or, or possibly double A, you know, you have Janushi Fargus, the Smiths, the Fergusons, but if they don't look like options, then what? You have the Quinn Brodies, you have the Matt Winnickers, you have the Tim Tebows, like that is not, not something that is going to work out well. Hey, it's, hey, Tim Tebow just got an invite to spring training again for <laughs> reasons. reasons. Yeah, for for shirt-selling reasons in a pandemic. I'm fine with that. It is what it is. I mean, if you haven't accepted that at this point, it's been like You may not like years. it, but accept it. Yeah, right, basically. Exactly. He's just going to keep coming back until he retires. Yeah, I made a wrestling reference. Are you proud of me? <laughs> we are. But all of this really just highlights to how important it is that the Mets extend Michael Conforto. Yes. He is an everyday major league player. He is an above average major league player. He is a Met. And he should stay a Met. Because if he does not and if he, he leaves, well that's just a massive hole that the Mets are gonna have. You're just gonna have to and, sign someone else anyway. And they're all worse next year. Like yeah. yep. unless they swing a trade for someone, which obviously we can't predict, like I, I, I can't sit here and be like, oh, yes, they'll trade for Aaron Judge or whatever. Like, it's this impossible. This office us. leaks nothing. Exactly. It's <laughs> impossible for us to know. Like, we can't pencil, we couldn't pencil in Francisco Lindor three months ago or whatever it was. So, like, they kind of have to. And, and if they extend Conforto, then they could basically make the, they could bridge the gap in between all the young guys coming up, like the Pete Crow Armstrongs and the Freddie Valdezes and everyone else. Because by the time those guys are old and Nimmo is, done with his arb and you probably if you have enough money you could see if he wants to extend too because i don't know what he wants to do but you could kind of not worry about how bad your upper minors outfield depth depth is because there's no place for any of those guys to play we're gonna see a lot of big brain takes about letting conforto go putting mcneil back in the outfield yeah. and put it and having cano back at second base just uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, McNeil plays right and Nemo plays left or whatever, and so, and there might even be a DH next year, so that takes away another outfielder and uh, quote unquote outfielder and Dom Smith. Uh-huh. So, oh, I forgot about Dom and his, yeah, like his he, quote right now, unquote outfield play. I mean, he's the starting left fielder if yeah. the season started tomorrow. 
like unless they're gonna galaxy brain it and start Almora. But um they could really just kinda get away with not having upper minors depth with the outfielders and sign fourth outfielders and fifth outfielders if right. you lock up Conforto because then it doesn't matter if you're twenty if you ever if Khalil Lee is like good then he could force his way into the lineup, but if he's not then you already have those spots locked up, so they really got to do that. <laughs> kind of the way it was with the pitching for a while was they had very good pitching and like everybody except for Bartolo Colon is basically like under 25, 26, whatever it was like, you know, two or three years ago. So they, they could get by with just kind of picking, you know, a, a depth guy here, or there and just kind of winging it from there. Yeah. They would be able to do that if they lock up the outfield for the near future. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think in an ideal world, and perhaps this is dreamcasting a bit, uh, I think you're you're re-signing Conforto, Lee is taking over center field, and yes. Dom's moving to DH, and then you're doing whatever with Cano so that McNeil can stay in the lineup still, right? I would assume Cano played his last game as a Met, um, whether they buy him out or... Yeah, yeah, I, I don't want to... Yeah, whatever, right? But uh, McNeil should be on the infield somewhere. Not on the grass. So in an ideal world, you, you you still need Conforto around. Yes. What if he goes back? What if Cano goes back to Seattle? Fine. Okay. They literally got everything from us. You took everything. I've been watching a lot of Wandavision. I just have the line <laughs> from Endgame in my head now. That show slaps. Even if you're not a Marvel fan, it it still slaps. Very good. Well, let's finish up with the Wilponry of the week. And I guess that trade was a massive Wilponry, but this week I think consensus goes to Mitch McConnell, who literally stated on record that he says that, you know, Trump is basically uh, responsible for all the events at the Capitol, but then voted against finding him accountable because Pretty well political... Pond. Yeah, political, well, political 4D chess. I don't know. That's I thought you were going well to go with the uh, lovely We Tried tweet we got uh, on James Paxton yesterday. It's like a... A We Tried tweet at like midnight. Oh, <laughs> I'm James not even aware of... Paxton to the Mariners. Yeah, they got, they got outbid by Seattle for Paxton. I know that, but I didn't know that there was an actual... They, they, there was a We Tried tweet. Yeah, basically, Martino, they right? to Heyman, they were like... Heyman. We got outbid was basically the leak of the was was basically the long and short of their of the Heyman thing. Hmm. Sure felt very Will Pawnee. Will Pont will whatever. Oh, the the exact words were Mets tried for James Paxton but were outbid. So fucking hell. <laughs> I thought I thought I I could see Sandy I could see Sandy Alderson going at a press conference and just being like shrugging like yep we tried. That would not that would not go over well. It look like this this off season has been so much good. Like they made the bit a really great big trade. We've talked a lot even on this pod about they did so, they did a like a Dodgers level job of building out the roster margins, which is something they've never done, and they just refused to make the last one or two major league moves they need to make. They've had a really bad month. Like, yeah. from January 15th when Hand was supposed to be a Met. Like, that's when Rosenthal tweeted that. 
and then I that. That, that that sounds like that feels like so long ago yeah that was january 15th i, I went back and looked and then this is almost a month to, uh, to the day mm-hmm. of we're recording this this will come out a month from that tweet and pretty much they've just swung and missed at every single free agent there, we, we have added <laughs> loops brother yeah uh, right like right may i have a loop Anyway. All right. Well, if anyone has any comments, questions, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Saipa. Lucas is at Elvajos343. Ken has been very silent this episode. He is (laughs) at KenLevin91. And Thomas is at SadMetSeasonSZN. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from, rate and review it. And of course, thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. And until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets. Mm-hmm.